Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. This episode was originally recorded as a weekly live in the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition group on Facebook. If you'd like to join these lives, watch past replays, or get any of the written summaries I do for these weekly, please head to the link in the show notes, drop me a comment, I'm happy to help you out. Now, let's get on with the episode. Today, I'm going to talk about strength training, and more and more coaches seem to be appreciating the value of strength training for ultra runners. <clears throat> Pardon me. And especially over the past couple of years, right? So in his book, Field Guide to Ultra Running, which was written in 2014, Hal Kerner really doesn't place a whole lot of emphasis on strength work outside of like core training and some high rep movements and hill work. Jason Koop, one of the like most highly revered coaches in the sport, also said he wasn't a huge proponent of strength training in the first edition of his book. Um, and in the second edition, he now devotes a whole section to it and just puts out a pretty good podcast episode about strength training. And all of this makes me really happy that coaches seem to be talking more and more about the value of strength training for runners and ultra runners specifically. Personally, I think strength training is valuable for any athlete. Like if we look at kind of the histories of athletics, even a few decades ago, back in the 70s, strength work was not very popular in most sports, be it golf, football, what have you. And we've slowly seen a shift as athletes and coaches have seen how it can improve performance and help reduce injuries. And ultra running is kind of following that same path, but since it's a newer sport, I think we're just kind of, kind of later. And why was there this disconnect? Honestly, like I'm not really sure. Um, originally, it was very likely because the lifting was relegated to people like uh, Arnold and Frank Zane and bodybuilders, and it just wasn't seen as a huge practical thing for a lot of athletes. Now, I, I really don't know. Like, you can speculate. My biggest guess comes from a bit of exposure bias. If you're someone like Hal Kerner, running as much as he does, on the kind of terrain that he runs, it's very possible you don't need strength training for your performance goals. And if you're Jason Coop coaching some of the biggest ultra runners in the world, people for whom a like 60 mile week might actually be a deload, <clears throat> then maybe strength training just isn't as much of a priority. And if you're running 15 hours a week, heavy strength training is just, it's a bigger, it might do more harm than good. It has a much bigger likelihood of leading to, leading to overtraining and injury. But for most of us, strength training is incredibly helpful. And for myself, like I have, a, I have a long history of overtraining and injuries from like my ankle to my knee to hip to groin, shoulder. And now I, I haven't really been really injured in years. And some of that is the wisdom of age and some of it is I'm no longer trying to cut calories while doing 10, 15 hour training weeks, but a lot of it's strength. If I'm, and if I'm busted, I can't run or climb or hike or do any of the shit I really want to do. So while I do, like I have developed a love for strength training. I like to lift heavy things, but it's also a means to an end for me. Being strong has helped 
keep my body healthy and will continue to do so for years to come. And that's really why I care about it, because it lets me do the shit I really want to do. So let's get into it. Strength training for ultra runners. If your primary goal is to succeed as an ultra runner, strength work isn't your biggest priority. Like, that would be running. Strength matters, but it very well might not like make all the difference on race day, as you'll often see touted by many people. You still have to be in great aerobic condition. If strength were your biggest priority, then every power lifter or bodybuilder would be a good to decent to great ultra runner, and that's just not the case. And you still have to have great hydration and good nutrition. If you're dehydrated and out of fuel, you're at a much higher risk for problems and uh, a DNF, and really all the strength training in the world wasn't going to change that if your hydration was off. You still have to have the skill to run far. Running is complicated, and a lot of progress in running, especially early, is just getting better at the skill of running. All that aside, like strength training can help you, and it probably will. Being stronger makes hills easier, both the ups and the downs, and it reduces your risk for bone, tendon, and muscle injuries. And that injury part is the big one for me, and a lot of the people I train. The injury in this sport, the injury rate in this sport is like at least 50%, and any reduction is worthwhile in my eyes. The strength I built from over a few years of heavy lifting is a large reason why I've been able to scale volume way faster than the like standard 10% rule that is nonsense anyway, but typically like you wouldn't want to scale as fast as I have been, but because of all the strength training I've done, my bones are really strong and it's prevented a lot of injuries and I haven't really even felt a twinge. So if we're looking at adding strength to our programming or changing our strength programming, the first question to ask yourself is why are you doing it? Like resistance training takes time. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but it still takes time. And most of us don't have a lot of time, as I talked about last week. So before you dedicate some of that like very precious commodity to strength work, ask yourself why you're doing it, because that's going to help dictate your program and what's going to show up. Aside from some of the benefits we've already talked about, like improving your running performance and reducing injuries, you might also just enjoy it. Some people, myself included, like lifting. And if you enjoy it, it should probably show up in your program somewhere because it's fun. Health. Being stronger helps you be healthier longer. Like a lot of like early death can come from a fall and a broken hip and then just kind of wasting away. And if we have more muscle mass, those falls do a lot less damage. I remember when I was like growing up, my grandfather was in his late 70s. He took like a 10 plus foot fall off a ladder and he was so like strong from years of doing everything himself that it really did nothing to him. He was fine. Whereas like most people can get really injured from falling in a bathtub. And then you might just want to make some aesthetic changes to your body. Like I typically more muscle mass and less fat. And strength training is a key component to that transformation. So let's also recognize some limitations before we get into programming. You need to move sufficiently heavy weight to get the benefits you want to get. For example, your bones get stronger from lifting because of the load you put on them. This can mean body weight, it can mean bands, it can mean barbells. But you do have to lift heavy enough with enough intensity to create the adaptations you're trying to create.
and then let's talk consistency. Like any training, the key to strength work is consistency. You don't lift for two weeks or two months, get strong, and call it a day. That's like saying, I ate salads and salmon for two months, now I'm healthy and I can eat nothing but Twinkies for the next 50 years and I'll be fine. It is a like consistent cycle of building and then maintenance. If you have a higher base, you have a little more leeway, but it is still this consistent cycle of building and maintenance. At some points throughout the year, you might lift with more like specifically strength building goal. At other times, you might reduce your volume a lot and focus on maintaining the strength you have, just enough to like focus on maintaining the strength you have while you really focus on running. <clears throat> some weeks, you might not lift at all. Your hill work and running might be plenty, or you might just need a week or two off. But it's not a one and done deal. You don't like put in work for a little while, then that carries you through for really long, for forever, right? Like it might carry you through for a little while, but it's not going to carry forever. Now, once we get, once we actually get into lifting, form, technique, and muscle connection matter more than anything else. You have to use proper form when lifting. It's just like running. If you've never lifted before, you might want to study YouTube uh, or lift in front of a mirror to like check your form. It might be a really good idea to hire a personal trainer for a few sessions and have him or her help you with your form. Whatever it takes, use good form and technique or else you're really asking for injury. If, like, if, let's imagine in running, we went from couch and we did really nothing and then we decided to go run 50 miles next week probably going to get hurt. Part of that is increase in volume. A lot of it is just you don't have the skill to do that. Like there's someone I was talking to the other day, they functionally did that, but they also have a 15 year running background. So it was a different thing. The, the skill came back to them and they were able to more or less minimize the damage. For me, it would break me. So we need to have the form practice and skill when we're doing this. Form and technique matter. Now proper form might mean different things, will mean different things for different people. People are built differently, and the way you can really tell whether your form is right is through muscle connection. Are you feeling the exercise where you should be feeling it and not feeling it where you shouldn't be? So if I'm doing squats, I want to feel my quads and probably my glutes, and if I go low enough, my hamstrings. I don't really want to feel anything or very little in my lower back. It's a stabilizing structure, so if I'm going heavy, I might feel it a little bit, just like with my abs or some support, but it shouldn't be the primary thing I feel. The best thing I ever really heard about lifting was tension over position. <clears throat> a good trainer will regularly ask you, where are you feeling that? Like, can you find this muscle? Are you feeling thing X that we really don't want to feel? Position will guide you towards tension, but you still have to find the tension. And then there's programming. There is no magic program. If something makes you stronger, great. That said, there are a few basics to good programming. And I define good programming as something that makes you stronger without like taking a ton of time or putting too much stress on the body. And these basics I see are balance, choice of effective movements, and appropriate intensity. For one, with balance, like you don't want to accentuate or exacerbate already big disparities. If you're watching or listening to this, you're probably a runner and your quads are likely stronger than your hamstrings. That's true for about 80% of people who run a lot. So when lifting, 
you probably want to do more hamstring work than quad work to build up that deficit. Imbalances lead to things like IT band syndrome and knee pain. So this is why we want to get stronger and create that balance, because if we're not, then we can get these injuries or these problems that seem to plague so many people. You also want to choose effective movements. So if you're trying to build your glutes, you could do a lot of donkey kickbacks, or you could do like 10 sumo deadlifts. And the 10 sumo deadlifts are more effective for that reason. You can spend all the time you want on donkey kickbacks, but the person who does a few sets of heavier sumo deadlifts will get stronger glutes in much less time. There's nothing wrong with the donkey kickback. They can be great for muscle engagement or mobility, or like they're a great warm-up and priming movement, but when it comes to strength, unless you're really new to strength training, they're just not as effective for most people. Which brings us to intensity. If you've been running a while, you're probably already pretty strong, especially in the legs. So you might need more than simple like bodyweight squats to get stronger in your quads. You might need to switch to something like split squats. You might need to add weight. You might need to focus on getting really deep, like in the what we call an ass to grass squat position. If you can do 50, 30, whatever, if you can do 30 plus unbroken repetitions of a movement, it's really not targeting the strength adaptations. It's more cardio with weights, which is fine, but you get enough cardio. So really want to focus here on our strength work. Now, why would we care about all that? This really comes back to time and recovery. Ultra running takes a lot of time. So if you want to lift four hours per week, that's great, but it needs to fit with all of your running. And if you're lifting four hours per week and running 10 to 15 hours per week, you're very likely not recovering properly. You might be, but most people who have lives outside of running just can't create that balance. So effective movement choices save time and prevent overtraining because you can spend less time on the training and a little more time on the recovery. With all that, let's get into like the anatomy or breakdown of a strength program. So first there'd be a warm-up, and the real purpose of a warm-up in strength is to find connection to your target muscles. Don't skip this. So it might be one or two light sets of your like, primary movement. It might be something completely different to help you connect even better, but don't skip the warm-up. For example, if you're doing squats, you might do a few light sets to get you into squat form, figure out your knees wide, like get your weight into your heels, and just remind yourself more or less how to do a squat. You might also do, we call it monster band walks, which aren't great for pure strength training, but they can really get your glute med and hips turned on and will like allow you to get your knees open. So it can be a really effective warm-up movement. Once we get through warm-up, you'll have your primary movements, which if you have almost completely athletic goals, you might focus more on movement patterns. This is what I did for many years. And this would be something like a hinge, a squat, push, pull, carry, midsection. So a hinge is where we like move mostly from the waist. Your knees don't bend that much, and we hinge forward. It targets largely the entire backside of your leg. And then your squat, your knees and your hips will bend together. And push, pushing, pressing stuff away from you. Pull, pulling stuff towards you. Carry, you're holding weight in some manner and walking with it. And then your midsection, which is not just your abs, it's like everything from your rib cage down to somewhere in your glutes. Like this entire structure that keeps you 
functional and upright. Now, if you have more aesthetic goals, you might focus on some individual body parts like quads and hamstrings, chest, shoulders, etc. But no matter your breakdown, you'll probably target like one or two primary movements per body part or movement pattern per session. Once you have your list of movements, you'll want to start with like sets and repetitions or reps. A rep is like an individual movement of an exercise, and a set is a group of reps. Most people do just fine with like two to five working sets of each movement. A working set is called such because it's like when you're actually like working and hitting your target weight. So there'd be a warm-up set and then a working set. Yep. So while I might do like one warm-up set, of 10 reps for like 95 pounds for squats, and then three working sets of like 10 reps at 135. It's that increase <clears throat> that I really care about to like find my target working weight. Unless you're really trying to add muscle, two to three working sets is plenty for most people in most workouts as long as you're hitting the proper intensity. Now some bodybuilders will do like five, six, eight sets, but probably not all that necessary for most athletes or most people most of the time. Now. We talked about not just legs, which you clearly need as a runner, but push, pull, chest, back, all that stuff. Like, why do we care? And there aren't any number of reasons or answers to this question. Here are a couple big ones. First, pulls. If you're too weak to make pulls useful, then they're likely going to trip you or do more harm than they're going to help you. So if you're a pull user, having some upper body strength will help. You also might do some other activities. Some people just run. I also climb, as my shirt indicates, or play ultimate frisbee, or mountain bike, or whatever else you like to do. And some upper body strength can like help you do your other stuff. Or maybe it's just aesthetics. Maybe you like the look of like larger shoulders or whatever, and that's fine. Like there's no judgment to that, but that would be another reason to add. And then the big one would be injury prevention. Most people will eventually fall on a trail. And I separated my shoulder through a stupid fall on an ultimate frisbee field. And the muscle mass I had prevented a much worse injury, but shoulders have always been a very like difficult lagging body part for me. It wasn't until about a year ago that I finally figured out how to make them do what I wanted them to do. And they just weren't that strong. As a result, it was much worse then than it would be now. Being a little sturdier protects deeper structures like bones and tendons. Now back to program. So if you are, once you like figure out your warm up and what movement sets you're trying to do, you're, we're getting into intensity. Your working set should be done with a good amount of intensity. You want to hit a point of fatigue. This is not failure, it's fatigue. One or two reps before your fall, form like falls apart. Fatigue the way we can distinguish fatigue from failure is like you might be able to like eke out a few more reps with mediocre or terrible form, but don't. It's doing more harm than good. Your form, your form and tension should always be there. And when you're first getting rolling, we want to stop at that point of fatigue and we don't want to go all the way to failure. This can take some time to dial in. Like if you're just starting out, start light learn your limits before you try to leverage those limits. And if that takes a couple weeks, that's okay. Now, how many reps should we do at one time? Somewhere in the range of like two to 20. 
We don't really want to go for a one rep max. That is far too much of a risk of injury for most people. We also don't really want to be doing 30 plus reps of something easy either. As I said before, it's not a great use of your time. Now, different ranges in the 2 to 20 area do different things. If you're finding fatigue in the like 2 to 6 range, you'll be targeting what we might call pure strength. So central nervous system adaptation, you're getting a lot of skill, and you're getting better at the movement. You're getting stronger. Now, if you're finding fatigue in the like 8 to 12 range, you'll be building more muscle, what we call hypertrophy, or muscle size. And if you're fatiguing in the 15 to 20 range, you'll get a lot of blood flow, muscle pump, and connection. Now, it's a spectrum. It's not like six reps only does CNS, and then like seven or eight reps only does hypertrophy. It is a range, but low weight, high rep is much more about pump, blood flow, and connection, whereas like high weight, low rep, it's much more about these central nervous system pure strength adaptations. They all have value, and you should spend a little time moving in and out of these ranges. There are a lot of ways to program, but the simplest is to target a specific range kind of across the board for your exercises and spend a few weeks there. Now, if you're just starting out, I would start in the like 15 to 20 range and focus on movement patterns for like three weeks. And then once you get confident in the movements, switch to something more in the like two to six range to build pure strength, spend three to four weeks in the eight to 12 range to get a little bigger muscle size, and then go back to that 15 to 20. And just kind of cycle through this. That said, if you have a race coming up, you need to drop your intensity. For the last like six to eight weeks before a race, you might only do one session per week at most in the like 15 to 20 rep range. You might not do any at all, especially during your taper, where we might reduce heavily to, um, sorry, Melissa, I, there, there will be a replay and I'm gonna announce something at the end that will make this a whole lot easier for you. Sorry, and I'll also slow down. So if you have a race coming up, you need to drop your intensity for the last six to eight weeks, you'll probably do like one session per week at most in the like 15 to 20 rep range. You might do none, um, but heavy lifting is very taxing. If you're peaking or about to race, don't go heavy. It's better to be 10% undertrained than 1% overtrained. Do not overtrain yourself. That is how you're gonna get hurt. Now, rest periods. The heavier the weight, the longer your rest should be. If you're lifting three reps, you might wait like two to three minutes between those short, heavy sets. If you are lifting closer to 20 reps, your rest periods might be closer to like 30 seconds. Don't skip the rest. If you're really short on time, you can make a program that effectively alternates body parts, like pairing squats with rows or lat pull downs, and that would shorten your time. But we don't want to slam out sets of heavy squats because you're not doing what you're trying to do. And then finally, short bit about equipment. This is last on my list for a reason. I have built a lot of strength with everything from body weight to bands to backpacks to barbells, 
And if you can create enough intensity, the equipment is very much a secondary concern. For most people, I would start with dumbbells, body weight, or bands. It reduces injury risk while promoting great muscle connection and movement. And you can also get a set of adjustable dumbbells and good bands for like less than a hundred bucks. And you can get really far with that. I did almost solely body weight work for years. It worked really well and gave me great connection to the movements. I'm not saying you can't start with barbells. It's just not necessary. Eventually, if you want to get very strong, you might have to move to something like a barbell, but it could take years before you hit that point with proper programming. And how does this fit into your running program? So running, it really depends on what your program looks like. In any running program, there will be days that take way more out of you than others. Hard speed sessions and long runs are like two of the common workouts that take a lot out of you. Very simply, do not lift heavy the day before a hard running workout. Again, running is your priority. If you do a lifting session and then try to create this, or try to do a hard run the next day, you won't be able to create the adaptations you're trying to create from the running. So let's imagine you run five days per week and one's a, very, one's a long run, one's a focused speed session, and then we have three kind of easy smaller runs. You could lift on Tuesday, do your speed session on Thursday, and your long run on Saturday. And then kind of fit your other, in, your other runs in the in-between days. Trying to make improvements in both strength and endurance at the same time is called concurrent training. And thanks to CrossFit, we actually know like a lot about that. Um, very simply, if you recover enough, you can do it. You can make adaptations across the board. They might be a little slower, but especially for someone whose focus is endurance, getting some strength work in there is really worthwhile. And back to intensity here, like don't lift so hard that you get really sore. I know a lot of people chase the soreness, like they think it's a sign of a really good workout, but while a small amount of soreness can be a good indicator, if you can't walk or you struggle to get out of bed or it hurts to sit down, you went way too hard. Being really sore is not really the sign of a good strength workout. It's a sign that you did too much and didn't recover enough. And I always recommend that people start easy. You can always go heavier during your next session. You can't undo a session where you went too hard. So if you're just starting out, it might take a couple weeks for you to find that sweet spot and that's okay. If you do heavy Romanian deadlifts one day and you cannot do both your strength set or your speed session and your long run because of your lift, that's a mistake. Like we need to be a little smart. And this also applies to run streakers out there. If you have a streak going, great. <laughs> I think that's really cool. But you don't have to break to your streak to add strength training. You just need to be smart about it. Don't do heavy strength work on a day where you run 20 miles. Do it on a day where you might run one or two. Or create some separation between the run and the lift. You could run in the morning and lift in the evening or vice versa. If anything, like maintaining a streak could be good, in, good reinforcement so that you do not push too hard in the gym. We just need to be a little smart with our structuring. Now, here's a few reminders for all of this as, we, as I kind of wrap up. First, know why you're adding strength to your program. 
if you have aesthetic goals, then you will do a little more like specific body part work than if your goal is just run performance. All training is stress, so make sure you can recover. Consistency is key, and being consistent doesn't mean doing the same program week in, week out. The program will vary, but we have to have something going on. Your sets, reps, and movements should change throughout the year, and honestly, you should probably change something every three to six weeks. It doesn't need to be a full overhaul, but making some adjustments will help you get a little better adaptation. Your form and technique and muscle connection matter more than anything else, way more than the weight you're moving. Don't skip the warm-up, which can just be a light set of like the foundational movement. Choose effective exercise, exercises and do them with enough intensity to challenge yourself. And if you, if you lift the same weight for months in a row, you're likely wasting your time. Don't lift the 20-pound dumbbells because you, that's what you do. Do it because that's the right weight to do. Respect your rest period. And strength training is, all training, is practice. You're practicing movement with weight. And as you run more and more with more intensity, you should lift less with less intensity. Finally, recovery. You need to get enough sleep. Don't pair intense high-volume running with intense high-volume strength work. Eat enough food, get enough protein, get enough carbs, especially if you have another training session in less than 24 hours. In short, take care of yourself. If you don't recover, your training isn't effective. I'm actually going to be dropping a strength guide in the next couple of weeks, and it's in a late draft, so if this interests you, keep an eye on the group. It will actually have a short like example program in it, a bunch of resources, a whole list of workouts you can kind of choose from, and then a ton of the stuff we just talked about. So keep an eye out. That will be coming out. And if you have any questions, please drop them in the box right now. Otherwise, I really hope this is helpful. Just remember, for most of us, like training isn't everything, but everything is training. So take care of yourself, and I'll be back next week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian, and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.